Hello and welcome to the latest episode in the Oz Movie Geek podcast. I'm your host, Pado. Today I'll be doing a review of ICU, the 2019 horror thriller film starring Helen Hunt that sort of went under the radar. I saw that there was an Arrow video release of this one at the start of this year, but it wasn't really on my radar until recently. A friend of mine got in touch with me to review this one for Rialto Distribution, who was one of the distributors here in Australia, which I'll get into when I discuss the film. But also Pinnacle Entertainment also sent me a copy of this one on DVD to review for you guys. So I have a few different things to say, and I'm excited to talk about this one. So thank you to Pinnacle Films for sending this one through, as well as Rialto Entertainment for getting in touch with me to review this film too. I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, it is available at the moment on Netflix if you don't want to go out and buy it on DVD. But it is a film that I was quite surprised with. It was quite enjoyable for a horror thriller, and especially a film that didn't get a huge cinematic um, presence either. It was released in cinemas, I do believe, in the UK, but here in Australia, we really didn't get uh, a physical distribution of this one uh, in cinemas. It wasn't until June, the start of June, that we got it out on DVD, and um, it did join Netflix's library uh, at the start of July, which is quite interesting. So without further ado, let's get stuck into ICU, the new horror thriller film starring Helen Hunt. Take it away, trailer. Justin Witter, 10 years old. Went missing on a bike ride last night near Jupiter Park. Park Ranger found the bike. Oh boy. I'll let you manage the situation as you see fit. You lead on this. Got it. Now, if you remember, nine year old Michael King went missing just. Authorities are now telling parents of young children to keep them close and on time. There's something up here! You're gonna find him. Something strange about the house. How'd you get in here? Connor, open this door! What are you doing? What are you doing? If you did something, you can tell me. What are you talking about? I'm sorry. 911 got a call from someone claiming to have seen our kidnapper. You don't get to act like nothing happened. Sorry. You have any idea what's coming for you? I don't know what's happening. I'm sorry.
So, I See You was directed by Adam Randall and stars Helen Hunt, Owen Teague, um, as well as Judah Lewis, John Tenney and Live Bearer and it follows strange occurrences that plague a small town detective and his family as he investigates the disappearances of young boys. Um, this is a film, like I said, I didn't really know much about it going in. I saw the trailer that I played just a second ago and it did look like a run-of-the-mill slasher film. It didn't really look like a film that I would normally um, watch. I, I like watching slasher films, don't get me wrong, but I am very specific in the types that I do watch. There haven't been a great deal of them in recent memory that have existed outside of a franchise that feel very authentic. I'm a huge fan of uh, Your Next, the Adam Wingard, uh, Simon Barrett, uh, com- uh, that they're... I guess, partnership. that They've done a great job there. They also directed a film, um, wrote and directed a film called The Guest, which I'm also a big fan of. Um, and I guess their brand of the slasher genre, and I guess we've had iterations of it as well, Ready or Not plays similar to a, a slasher, and I was a big fan of that as well. But this film here, Adam Randall does seem to really nut down on the details here. He really likes the idea of creating suspense and thrills from more of a home invasion kind of setting, but he doesn't really want to show you what's going on straight away. The film is split up into three distinct acts. We have the opening act that follows Helen Hunt and her family, strange occurrences happening around the house, their relationship turmoil. So Helen Hunt has cheated on uh, John Tenney um, and has created a bit of friction in the household. Uh, Judah Lewis's character doesn't forgive Helen Hunt for what she's done. We see a bit of um, some strange occurrences that happen there, including the death of um, the guy that Helen Hunt was sleeping with and things like that. There's some strange occurrences happening here and we don't really know what's going on. Um, and the second act definitely follows these two, a, a couple. They're, they're not together as such, but they're, they're friends and they essentially live in people's homes without them knowing. So they see how long they can get away with doing it and they go from house to house doing this. They also broadcast what they're doing through a, a vlog type uh, deal. It hasn't been uploaded directly to YouTube, but they've got a camera and they're obviously working towards something like that. So we have these two characters as well, played by Owen Teague and Libera. And I really enjoyed that aspect of the film too. Uh, these two characters are quite likable. Um, we don't really know what's going on. Owen Teague looks like he's getting too far into it. He likes messing with the family and there seems to be something going on there. But it's not until the end revelation where we really get to the crux of what their relationship is, how they know the family, why they're doing what they're doing. Um, but it was really interesting to see that as well. Owen Teague starts to mess with the family, starts to do things, and it really plays out differently to what I was expecting. The third act follows more closely uh, Owen Teague's character and John Tenney, the husband and detective working on the disappearance of the boys. We find out a rude revelation here that's quite, um, quite suspenseful, quite daunting, very similar to a film called Summer of 84, which also starred Judah Lewis, and I was a fan of that film, but the revelation in that film's third act was very similar to what we have here, and I really did enjoy that revelation. Um, I guess I've been really hit or miss with some twists recently in horror films, but here this really did play out, and I don't want to get into details because I guarantee that 90% of you who are listening have not seen this film because I hadn't seen it up until recently, 
And I do know that a lot of people aren't really talking about it. So I don't want to get into too many details because I don't want to spoil what happens there. But the revelation, there's a couple of them in the third act that are very good and they do play well. And if you're paying attention throughout, you're going to feel quite good at the end because you probably would have guessed where it was heading um, if you paid attention to those little nuggets of information. So I really did enjoy that. And there's no real exposition dump as such. There's a few visual clues that are definitely helpful and definitely play out um, in the overall narrative, but I don't think that the actual exposition was overhanded and it didn't feel like an overbearing type of exposition that we're used to in these types of films. Instead, it feels natural and it feels like it belongs, so I really did enjoy that. So without further ado, let's get stuck into the positives and the brief negatives I have with the film. So positives first, the story. This film has a mesmerizing story filled with plenty of twists and turns, the main focus being the family at the center uh, of what appears to be something supernatural going on in their house. This develops to the connections of the murder mysteries and the two that are also living in the house without the no, um, the knowledge there of Helen Hunt's character, Judah Lewis and John Tenney. So it's really interesting because that first act really does play like a run-of-the-mill paranormal supernatural kind of film. Um, we have a scene early on where John Tenney's character breaks a window out of frustration and he's called a repairman to come and fix that window. Um, we cut to a scene where Helen Hunt has just arrived home. I think she's done the groceries or something. All the cutlery is missing downstairs and she thinks that her son's responsible for it. She goes upstairs because she hears some noises and see that it's the repairman fixing the window. He leaves and he says uh, Helen Hunt's a bit perplexed at what's going on and she feels a bit scared. And she says, how did you get in the house? And he says, oh, um, your daughter let me in. He, she was really lovely. And this throws Helen Hunt uh, a bit there because she doesn't have a daughter. She has a son played by Judah Lewis. So little things like that. And you, you don't know if she's going a bit insane because of things that are going on in the house or maybe it's got something to do with some paranormal activity that's going on as well. It shows the abduction of one of the kids at the very start, which is done from a visual standpoint where we see the kid float up into midair and disappear, and then later we find his bike. Now, this is an actual literal disappearance of the kid. We're not supposed to know who abducted the kid, so it's told, it's shown in a different aspect. And I really like the style there. It felt like um, it, it felt like something different. It's something we hadn't seen before. So I did enjoy the way that Randall decided to show things like that, and I thought that disappearance scene was quite effective. It's at the very beginning of the film. But a lot of these... Uh, scenes that are played for the supernatural are really interesting as well we have sequences where the tv turns on by itself we have sequences where things aren't where they thought they were um the scene when um helen hunt is speaking with her uh lover outside the guy that she's been having the affair with and uh, a pot plant hits him on the head and then later on we see why that pot plant hit him on the head and it was just really interesting and i enjoyed those aspects of the film it all sort of interlocked with itself um these acts whilst they're separate and they're distinctly separate you can definitely tell when the first act ends and the second act begins but i really did enjoy that it it put everything together it didn't feel forced it felt natural and i really did enjoy that aspect of the film the performances as well this is a really well cast film with the actors really elevating the material this could have easily been a cheesy b-movie premise instead we have a compelling um drama thriller horror film here really a mix of genres um that are heightened and um drawn together for this well-rounded piece here from this uh, cast and i think they're all fantastic helen hunt is really good here i haven't seen her in a great deal in recent years 
Um, she was obviously a bit of a force to be reckoned with there in the 90s, and she was nominated for an Oscar for As Good As It Gets with Jack Nicholson. Um, but she hasn't really done a great deal in recent um, years, and I haven't really been watching um, a lot of her films lately. So I thought that she was really good here. It was nice to see her in something different. Um, Judah Lewis was also quite good. He has been in a few films here and there. I'm a big fan of The Babysitter. I think it's a really entertaining sort of like a B-movie film directed by Mick G, which is available on Netflix as well. I'm also a big fan of Owen Teague, who um, recently starred as uh, Hockstetter in the It films, in It Chapter 1 and It Chapter 2. Uh, he was really good here. It was cool to see him have a lot more to do because I think he's got a lot of range as a young actor and I would like to see him do more. He obviously fits this um, horror-thriller genre. I think it's because of his appearance, not that the kid's you know h- horrific to look at, but I mean that he's, um, I, I guess, the way that um, he conducts himself on screen. He's a very um, charismatic sort of actor. He's a lot la- larger than life, and he really does give off an eerie and unsettling vibe. And I think he does a really good job here. And I think, I guess, he plays to his strengths. He knows what he's good at. And I did enjoy him in this film. And I think, like I said, it really does give him a lot more to do. And I think because he's got a lot more to do here... He is a lot more entertaining in this type of role. So hopefully we get to see more of uh, Owen Teague. I thought he was really good here. Uh, John Tanney as well is really good. There's a revelation with his character as well during the film, and I think he plays both sides really well where I didn't see it coming, which is exactly what you want from an actor that has to, I guess, sell the twist at the end of the film. Um, he does a really good job here. Uh, Lai Berra, or Libe Berra, however you say her name, uh, she was good as well. Uh, she plays off Owen Teague quite well in the film, both of them, of course, being the two characters who are... Um, I, I, I don't even know what to call it. They call it something in the film. I think they call it... They call it frogging, um, P-H-R-O-G-G-I-N-G, because uh, the poster that you'll see on the episode art for this uh, episode... The um, mask that he wears is a frog, um, which is a bit of a pun. He explains it during the film. But they do call it frogging, where they jump from house to house, um, trying not to be noticed, and that's the whole idea of what they're doing. And they do a really good job here, the, these two characters um, and these two performers. I think they're really good as these characters. They're believable. I did believe their relationship. I believe what they were trying to do. And I really liked sort of the fall of their relationship too when we understand why Owen Teague's character is involved in this. So I thought that was handled really well and I really enjoyed that aspect of the film. Um, The way the film handles its themes as well, it doesn't really show you too much. It rather tells you um, how the film is really um, going to play out through subtle visual cues as well as the information it's not telling you. If you do pay attention, you are rewarded for this film. There's a lot going on in the background, which I really enjoyed. Like I said, the first act is told through the eyes of Helen Hunt, if you really want to look at it like that. Uh, the second act is told through Bearer's eyes, and the third act is definitely told through Owen Teague and John Tenney, two different perspectives, but to end up at the exact same conclusion. All the characters are intertwined, but this information is dispensed in small doses rather than revealing too much all at once, which I really did enjoy. I think if you had that exposition dump at a certain stage in this film, it would have really frustrated me. Where here, it just feels like it's very natural. It feels exactly like the way that I wanted this film to play out. Um, And I really did enjoy the way that this third act really did you know, it amped up the tension. It was really good, and I did enjoy that. Helen Hunt's character does disappear in the third act, but narratively it makes sense. I don't know if they couldn't get her for filming. I'm not entirely sure what her schedule's like these days. Um, But 
definitely when she is absent in the film, you can feel it. Um, not saying that these cast members are bad or anything, but we do spend such a large portion of the film following her character when she does disappear in this third act because John Tenney tells her to take Judah Lewis's character uh, to the hospital because he's been injured um, in a revelation that happens in the third act, which I don't want to get into spoilers. But it felt like a bit of a plot device, and I don't know if she was unavailable for shooting during that time, and that's why they had to throw it in the film. But at the same time, I think it did play well um, to really isolate these characters as well because if Helen Hunt was involved here, I don't know if the drama would have become too sappy, if it would have felt overhanded and definitely overbearing. But rather, I think without her being there, it really does allow the revelation to really set in and feel authentic to the story. So I, I do appreciate that. But her absence is definitely noted uh, in that final act. Um, and the direction as well. Adam Randall is a fantastic director. Um, this bill, uh, being, I believe, his directorial debut, uh, I thought he did a really good job. He does sell the tension, like I said. There's a lot of sequences that rely heavily on um, the way the camera is placed without any jump scares or anything like that. And I think he does a really good job. He directed a film as well called Eyeboy, which I haven't seen. It's another Netflix exclusive. Um, but I believe he has a good future here or a bright future in horror thriller type dramas. I really enjoy the, uh, the investigative um, side of things here. I'm a big fan of those types of stories and I think Adam Randall really does understand them as well. So maybe that's a positive for him for the future. Um, and yeah, I really did enjoy what he was able to do with a small budget. This film is very isolated. We have a great atmosphere that's built up pretty much from one house and I really did appreciate that. I'm a huge fan of these single location sorts of films. I'm going to have a review for Rental coming out uh, soon as well, uh, directed by Dave Franco. Yes, Dave Franco directed a movie. Um, but that film as well is a very isolated film and I, I enjoy those sorts of settings because I feel like they can really add to the tension and drama because all you've really got then is your characters in a real confined area in a confined space. And it does really create tension, drama and suspense by doing that because your characters are sort of left alone to their own devices in such a strange setting. And I, I, I think here that really works for the film's benefit because you see a lot of these times these horror films do focus too heavily on you know large-scale events. I, I would say The Conjuring films are the, you know, a great example of that. I enjoyed Annabelle Comes Home from more of a B-movie aspect for it to be a lot of fun. The film does have you know some interesting set pieces and is told from you know one location, but... The location is so big that the film feels too large, and I suppose because it is a part of a larger universe, you can't really get into the, the crux of these characters in the story, whereas ICU kind of reminds me of uh, those creep films that are also on Netflix. They're very character-driven, and I guess the comparisons I'm drawing between these two are that the stories are very much so character pieces, Owen Teague's character probably gets the most to do here because we really understand where he's coming from with that third act revelation. Then when you rewatch certain aspects or think of certain aspects during the film, it really does add to that. Relic was another film recently that I also reviewed. If you want to check out that review, it's the one before this one. Um, Relic does a similar thing there too where it really does highlight the tension and the drama that is brought forward by these really you know, smaller aspects of the film. And I, I did enjoy that, especially when you focus heavily on 
um, the, these character moments so that they just really do elevate the material. And here I felt that and ICU definitely benefits from that. And I think Adam Randall understands that that's the strength of this film is to have all these characters in such a small confined area but without knowing that they're all in this small confined area. We have Owen Teague's character and uh, Lai Berra's character are both living upstairs, but Helen Hunt has no idea that that's where they're living. So we have all these characters under one roof, but because the characters aren't aware that they're both there, it's quite interesting and it does create this dynamic. And I really did enjoy that. And it's unique. It's something we haven't seen before, which is also something I thoroughly enjoy. Um, I do have one negative with the film though, and that comes from... um, it is a character issue that I have in the first act. Whilst the first act does set up a lot of character drama, which I do appreciate, I wish there was more time introducing certain aspects of these characters uh, that would have made that third act revelation hit hard for me. Um, Judah Lewis's character in particular, he is paper thin. We understand that he doesn't like his mum at the moment because of what she's done. It takes us a while to understand what she's exa- what she's exactly done because it's not really explicitly explained to the audience you sort of have to be paying attention and then through subtle hints we work out um, for ourselves what's going on there but I think if there's a bit more emphasis on her her relationship with her son and maybe her relationship with her husband it makes that third act reveal feel a bit more authentic and feel more a part of the story instead of feeling as disjointed as it can feel. Um, It is a minor nitpick because I did have a lot of fun with this film, but it's definitely something you feel, especially in that first act as well, because the first act is a lot slower than the acts that uh, follow. Uh, Second act is quite intense um, and the third act is definitely nail biting. So we have that there where it does, the pacing does uh, feel out of place. But at the same time, I understand it. I just wish maybe five to ten more minutes was spent with certain characters to really beef up that relationship so then we could really feel that impact of the reveal at the end of the film. But the verdict. Um, I See You is a well-acted, effective horror thriller with plenty of twists and turns. The film is elevated by strong performances and a well-written script. I had a great time with I See You and I am giving this one an 8 out of 10. I'm really looking forward to seeing what Adam Reynolds can do next. I feel like he is a very unique voice, I guess. Um, I mentioned your next and the guest because I feel a bit of Adam Wingard here in his direction, uh, which is a great thing because I'm a huge fan of Adam Wingard. And I feel like if Adam Randall follows in those steps, we could have some interesting uh, stories told from his perspective. I would like to see him follow more of a mystery drama um, route. I did enjoy those aspects of the film, the investigation that John Tenney is uh, doing at this, um, the disappearance of these boys in this small town. It's quite interesting. So I would like to see a bit more of that from him. But at the same time, if he wants to handle more thrillers, I'm all aboard because I think he did a really good job here. And this was a big surprise. So thank you to Pinnacle Films and Rialto Distribution. Like I said at the start of this episode, it's quite interesting how this film does play out. Uh, as far as it's releasing. So we have a film studio, Sabin Films, uh, which was the distributor for the film both in the UK and also in America. Now, as an independent... I'm screwing up my words here. As an independent uh, label, it normally finds itself, you know, um, a distributor that is more known for its indie releasing. So, for instance, Arrow Video released it in the UK, Whereas in America, I believe Lionsgate picked up the Saban Films release. It normally does. Saban Films, of course, 
their biggest film that they had was Power Rangers. Um, but it does seem to have a partnership there with Lionsgate. And Lionsgate internationally normally finds itself lost amongst the shuffle. And a lot of the time we don't even get their releases. So here in Australia, Rialto Distribution must have signed a contract for its distribution on Netflix. So it was released on Netflix. But back in June, we got a release of it on DVD from Pinnacle Films. So we have two distributors here, both Rialto Distribution and also Pinnacle Films, that both have released the film, but neither one of them are mentioned on the either one's release. So on the release on Netflix, uh, the only thing we see there is from Rialto Distribution. On the DVD, the only thing we see is Pinnacle Films. So it's quite interesting how that's played out. I didn't notice it until recently, and yeah, I, I was quite surprised. Um, but at the same time, I'm happy to own it on DVD. There are a couple of special features that I'm looking forward to checking out. Um, but for those who don't want to pick up the DVD, it is available on Netflix from Rialto Distribution. So check it out. It was quite popular a couple of weeks ago. It was ranking sixth, I think it was the highest rank it got there in Australia. But it's cool that some people have checked it out. For those who haven't, definitely do so. I don't want to get into any further spoilers or anything in regards to the plot. I think it's it's nice to go into the film not really knowing what it's about and not knowing those twists and turns it's going to take throughout. You can anticipate them for sure because I've let you know that they exist, but I didn't tell you exactly what they are. So that's up for you to decipher and work out if you want to you know, explore it a bit further. But that brings this episode to a close, guys. So thank you all for listening. Um, look at some of the other reviews I did. I did a review of Relic recently, The Old Guard as well. And I'll be having some reviews come out shortly for other films. I'm looking at doing some older titles, some films that I want to talk about. Uh, like I said, the release scheduling is becoming quite thin. I'll be doing a bit of a review for the Friday the 13th collection as well, which is coming out on Blu-ray. I'm excited to talk about that. Um, and there's a couple of other films as well I might check out. Deep Blue C3 is coming out. I don't know why I would subject myself to that, but at the same time, who knows, it could be a bit of fun. Maybe have a few beers. Chat about a shitty shark movie. It's always a bit of fun. So look forward to more content coming at you soon, guys. And until next time, peace out.